Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. Today is Saturday, January 14th, 2023, and it's uh, season two, episode 14, titled R Prepare to Be a Felon. Let's get into today's show. Hello. Oh, let's not forget to light me up here. Um, so I am Mayor Watt, and this is the Hometown Daily News Show. And the AI from on high. Good evening, Hometown citizens. Yeah, this um, today is just like kind of yesterday has been kind of kind of wonky. And uh, we're going to try and get through 11 articles. Uh, we've already selected them all. There's something in the air tag um, in the news today. <laughs> so why don't we just start get going into the news? Uh, the very first article for today is in the Smack Talk channel. And it's Norton LifeLock warns of password manager account breaches. And this is pretty much standard fare. You just never know when something is going to happen. And uh, you have to be careful. You have to be uh, prudent. You have to have unique passwords for everything. And if your password manager is breached, then you're pretty much up a creek without a paddle unless you're really fast. Or everything you have and every service that you are taking advantage of utilizes two-factor authentication. So when somebody does try to hack into your account or does use your password, even, even an effective password um, won't stop somebody if they get the raw password. If they get the real password, they're into your account. But if you have two-factor authentication and you require the business that you're working with to utilize two-factor authentication, then you're notified when somebody logs in. That is pretty much better than a password manager, unless, you know, you have hundreds of passwords that you need to remember on the regular. Um, that said, even uh, a password manager should have two-factor authentication. Well, anyway, customers of crypto uh, of a sorry, customers of Norton LifeLock are being notified that Norton password manager accounts have been breached by hackers performed via breaches of accounts on other platforms. Interesting. So we've already selected this and uh, Malcolm Owen over at AppleInsider.com wrote this article. They always have, everybody has some really nice artwork and I think I'm going to have to figure out a way to get uh, hometown to have neat little thumbnails of stuff. Um, anyway, customers of Norton LifeLock are being notified that Norton password manager accounts are being breached by hackers and they are being performed via breaches of accounts on other platforms. The notifications to customers of Norton LifeLock, uh, it used to just be LifeLock and now it's Norton LifeLock because you have to brand around your name. Yeah, yeah, we, we get it. Uh, they advise uh, that hackers are successfully gaining access to Norton password manager accounts. However, it is claimed that the attacks were not caused by weak security in the Norton password manager systems, but instead via a third-party platform. Doesn't matter. Even if it is a third-party platform, 
Two-factor authentication should be notifying everybody when an attack is taking place, when an, an attempted access is taking place. I know that I receive notices for services, um, and I even shy away from uh, companies that won't uh, deploy uh, two-factor authentication. Even Ometown at one point had it, um, and I disabled it while we were doing some testing, uh, but it will uh, shortly re, um, revert back to uh, having two-factor authentication. So you'll have to, you'll be notified when somebody accesses your account. Um, so it says here that um, their own systems were not compromised. However, we strongly believe that an unauthorized third party knows and has utilized your username and password for your account, the firm said in notices to customers. And this is all from a letter via uh, shared with the Office of Vermont Attorney General as seen by bleeping computer. So it's a credential stuffing attack where the attacker acquires data from other sources, such as an account uh, that's compromised on other platforms, and then they try and gain access to the intended target. Um, and I don't know about intended target. It, that's kind of um, too precise. I think this is just opportunistic target. <laughs> so what right, do you I think of think something like the that? intent of the hackers? Right. They're just trying to get access, whatever it might be. The um, says uh, Norton has reset uh, passwords on impacted accounts, uh, introduced additional measures to fend off attacks and advises customers to enable. Hey, look, two factor authentication on their accounts. Golly. Everybody should be doing that. And um, Ultimately, at the end of this article, it says in December, LastPass confirmed that an August data breach involved names, addresses, and encrypted password vaults. And by late December, it was claimed that the vaults were potentially crackable for just $100. That was an article that was actually discussed in Omtown here in the Omtown Daily News Show. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, stick around. Um, follow, change that goal to 100%, make my day. Uh, make our day, uh, but I'm the mayor. So, you know, all of this rests on my shoulders. The AI, mm, they can bow out whenever they want. But also if you like that type of article, be sure to vote for it in the Showbot so that we feature more articles along those lines. Showbot is down there, hometown.showbot.tv. You can go and vote on the articles. Uh, they're already posted there and they are they remain there for 24 hours we don't have long-term storage of that eh, life is temporal so as as we move through time so do the votes but we still pay attention to all of that and um, you can make a difference uh, just by voting and following that would be great and chatting here in chat that would be great too um, if you show up from youtube let me know if you show up from the podcast let me know um It'd be great to hear, yeah. well, I guess see your voice. Although I can pull you into the stream and I can put you right up there. Do, 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 do. And um, we can talk shop in real time. Okay, so the let's move on. Oh, wait, before I do that, let me throw this into the VOD stream so that at least for the next 60 days, even the articles will be accessible via the uh, VOD chat. Um, so let's move on to the next article. 
Uh, this next one's in the Daily News show. Claim of mammoth bones brings treasure hunters to the yard. Um, brings treasure hunters to New York City River. And um, I've been fighting off the urge to say my mammoth bones bring the treasure hunters to the New York City River. And they're like, my mammoth bones are bigger than yours. Um, but man, it's very hard to like string that along in a musical. Several groups have flocked to the waterway off Manhattan in search of treasure. The um, articles over at abcnews.go.com, this is one of those sources that seems to be hit or miss here in hometown as to how often they are seen. <laughs> um, so several groups have flocked to the waterway off of, I've actually been, I think I've been like right there. Um, I, it looks familiar for some reason. And um, so ask people what you might find buried in the muck at the bottom of New York City's East River, and, and they'd likely say mob boss before thinking of mammoth bones. I don't know about mob boss, but definitely mob activity. Yeah. So when they said mammoth bones, we just thought maybe, maybe it was just a really big guy that was down there. Um, but I guess they don't necessarily have horns. Um, several groups of treasure hunters have taken to the waterway in recent weeks. Um, after hearing a guest on comedian Joe Rogan's podcast claim that a boxcar's worth of potentially valuable prehistoric mammoth bones was dumped in the river in the 1940s. Now, this is kind of the, the power of a, um, I don't know what you want to call uh, Joe Rogan in terms of his ability to direct society in some, well, a large cohort of society to, to do something. So it says, despite a lack of evidence to back up the story, treasure hunters, uh, treasure seekers using boats, diving apparatus or apparatuses. What's the correct term? Is it apparatus? And technology like remote operated cameras have gone searching in hopes the murky waters are hiding woolly mammoth tusks. And there's a quote here. It says, uh, I think the chances are good, uh, are just as good as the lottery and people buy those tickets every day. In fact, uh, the mega millions was one yesterday, $1.35 billion with a B. So you can win the lotto lottery and then go rub shoulders with uh, Elon. That's kind of how it works, right? You're, you're a billionaire. And so you can go and hang out. Right. You're in the same circles then. I mean, I, I don't think if I heard something on a comedian's show that would cause me to go buy a, a treasure seeking equipment and go out into the river. So, yeah, you know, the way that they described him as comedian Joe Rogan's podcast, he's not really a comedian so much as he's kind of the podcast internet version of a shock jock kind of a thing. You know, he talks about stuff and um, he has a whole bunch of people that come onto the show. I mean, it's not it's not a mom and pop shop, right? I mean, he's a <laughs> a, a quite capable show. Nationally known, right? Um, I would push it further than that. Um, he's internationally known. 
Um, but suffice to say that I think they kind of watered Joe Rogan down by calling him a comedian. Might have been like a little a bit of a stab at him, but um, I think he's hardly a comedian. At least to me, he's not. He it is one of his traits um, and he's done comedy stuff, but he he talks about a lot of social stuff, um, but it's popular social stuff. And then it goes weird sometimes. And then it goes to business sometimes. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff, um, but it's it's always to some people enthralling. But I've never really listened to him. Um, well, it says here it all started when John Reeves, an Alaskan gold miner with a passion for fossils, came on to Joe Rogan experience for an episode that aired December 30th to talk about his land where he has personally uncovered numerous age-old bones, age-old bones and tusks in the uh, first half of the 20th century under previous ownership, digging for gold, unearthed a trove of prehistoric mammal remains. So why would they be dumped there? Well, it was all brought to New York City, and um, apparently it says, cited a draft of a report put together by three men, including one who worked at the museum, American Museum of Natural History, where I guess they dumped it. Um, but if it's anything like the La Brea Tar Pits, they've pulled something like four million bones out of that thing. So um, I'm not too surprised. What do you think? Would you uh, go into the as an AI from on high controlling hometown? Do you think that it would be wise to dive into uh, into the East River? No, because you're probably not going to come out with any kind of treasure and you're probably going to come out with some unknown disease from all of the grime that's in the river. But you're saying I will come out with something. Oh, yes, I think you will. Just not what you expect to be locating. Probably closer to eating that bad bat from 2019. Let's uh, let's. Let's copy this into the um, chat and then we'll go on to the next article. Okay, so this next article is in the word in tech. Uh, Wings like cracked eggshells. Richard Branson faces turbulence (laughs) over safety of space flights. Turbulence. Investors are pursuing legal action against Virgin Galactic, claiming the company's two spacecraft were not designed for regular space travel. And um, we'll just go straight over to the article. This is in The Guardian, and it's uh, The Observer, Virgin Galactic. Um, John Ungood Thomas, I think, or is it Ungood? Maybe that's Ungood. I'm not sure. Uh, John, uh, send it to me phonetically, and I'll properly say it. Anyway, investors are going after Virgin Galactic. Um, I'm pretty sure a lawsuit like this could go to the stratosphere. In a desert basin in New Mexico, Richard Branson hopes history will be made later this year when the launch of Virgin Galactic's first commercial flight to the edge of space with tickets costing around $450,000. I've watched up. I think with enough balloons, we could probably reach the edge of space. There are balloons that actually... For a lot cheaper than uh, this flight, but... Maybe not as controlled. 
Yeah, see, so if you hear me pause and, and um, you're wondering why I say something like, no, go ahead. It's because the artificial intelligence that runs Omtown um, uh, lets me know that they are processing something. And then I, I, they're very polite. And so they wait until I, I, I stop talking. And I'm really, uh, feel free, AI that runs Omtown, just, just barge right on in. Just barge right on in. This is a friendly conversation. So Branson initially hoped that he would send 50,000 astronauts okay, uh, into space by 2019, but the project has been beset by mishaps, delays, and disaster. A pilot was killed and another suffered injuries when Virgin Galactic's first Spaceship 2 shuttle, which their first Spaceship 2, I guess, sure, VSS Enterprise. Yeah, correct? Number one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe number one didn't even make it to full production or full uh, build. I guess a Spaceship 1.5 wouldn't really fare well either. So they just jumped right into two. Um. Virgin Galactic, just want to let you know, skip over uh, Spaceship 13, because that's going to be unlucky too. So VSS Enterprise crashed into the California desert in October of 2014. Um, so some investors are now pursuing legal action against Vir Virgin Galactic after the string of delays claiming alleged defects in the craft uh, were not properly disclosed. They allege EVE and Unity were prototypes and not um, designed for regular space travel. And they say claims are supported by internal corporate documents. So there's something about government versus corporate. And that is that uh, with government, anybody, anybody across the spectrum of moderate in the center to wingnuts on either side of the spectrum can file a Freedom of Information Act request and obtain documents from the federal government barring sensitive material material beyond something like, hey, um, were there O-ring issues with the space shuttle or something like that? So you'll find you would be able to do a FOIA request and find that out if it's the government. With companies, you can file a FOIA request and they will tell you uh, no. Uh, go away. So I'm just saying government isn't always bad, but they're not profit seeking. So when a business starts selling flights for $450,000 and somebody pops up out of the woodwork and says, Hey, these planes were prototypes, not designed to hit the edge of space repeatedly you might want to step back from buying a ticket. But that's just me, and I don't have $450,000 to throw out a ticket um, just so that I can eat and reach the edge of space. By the way, I'm more inclined to uh, blow up just a ton of balloons and try and reach the stratosphere um, up style. All right, let's just move on. Because this will probably end up further in the news and the Guardian will probably report it. So let's keep going. Oh, did I not throw it in there? Oh, man, I am just lagging behind with all of these articles. Okay. You've got so, visions of balloons and you're, you know, you're drifting off. That's right. I'm uh, kind of flighty. Uh, 
next article is in the Daily News show. Miami Heat Home Arena gets temporary name fix after FTX collapse. If you don't know about FTX, it's a cryptocurrency platform. Um, They used to have their own cryptocurrency as well. Blah, 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 blah. Well, they kind of wet the bed and short-circuited and gone, 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 gone. They're in bankruptcy and... Um, the CEO has been indicted, I think, um, well, has been already arrested and maybe still I think on it's the making, re- facing extradition, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I'm not sure what the disposition is anymore. Um, they, everything kind of went dark for a little while. So, uh, and like all of these articles, I don't read them beforehand, but we have some experience with FTX, uh, knowing what went down. Um, let's just say hot mess doesn't really sum it up enough, but maybe Miami heat hot mess does. Well, the home of Miami heat is um, changing its name to Miami date arena temporarily. And uh, Tim Reynolds, uh, the AP basketball writer wrote this article for abcnews.go.com. ABC news is, you know, hitting on all cylinders today, I guess. Um, So FTX collapsed and, uh, so did uh, crypto. So let, let me uh, check what Bitcoin is at right now. It just hit $20,000, I think, yesterday. Wow. Um, but also, um, Bankman Freed, it looks like, is out on bail, was already extradited. Yeah, I guess all that money that he made in a collapsed platform really paid off, so to speak. So it's climbed, actually. It's pretty amazing. So in a month, less than a month, in five days, it went from $16,000 to $20,736.60. So, hey, baby, here's looking at you, Bitcoin. Yeah, on uh, January 11th, it was at $17,000. And today, it's sitting at uh, 20736 so if you had some Bitcoins, guess what? You're $3,300 richer per Bitcoin. Congratulations. Um, yeah, and it might decline. So get your marginal return on your investment. Um, so effective immediately, Miami-Dade County and Miami Heat have agreed that until such time as there is a new naming rights partner uh, to refer to the arena as Miami-Dade Arena. The party said in a joint statement, the removal of the facility's existing signage and changeover of branding elements will be ongoing in the coming weeks. I suggest that they just make the signage out of cardboard to minimize the cost to uh, people. So the process of removing FTX branding from all aspects of the arena will take some time. The company's logo appeared on the court. Ouch. In uh, is on many of the entrances, is embroidered on the shirts, many security and in-game personnel wear, is on the arena roof, and even was placed on the swipe cards that employees use to access the facility. Ouch, I think they used a little too much marketing. And isn't this reminiscent of the early 2000s with all the... Um, kind of pop-up companies that are suddenly all over uh, stadiums and everything. Oh yeah. Everything old is new again. And the only difference between the aughts and now is there's an extra zero at the number of the collapse. So I guess every generation has its own 
um, complete collapse. So let's keep on hustling through the news. Uh, package theft is now a felony in eight states and counting as um, lawmakers crack down on porch piracy are prepare to be a felon. Uh, package theft is a staple of the e-commerce age and is more common in some states than others. Efforts are up uh, to um, raise the penalty for package theft. And um, here were the crime here's where the the crime of package theft is already or likely to become a felony um and i'll go through this really quick emma cosgrove is the author of this over at businessinsider.com and um mark what was his name mark rober um built these um kind of uh well devices that would shoot fart spray out and um glitter and uh acquire telemetry of the thieves that were taking it from the porches and um, he did various iterations of it ultimately shutting down some of these things in other places and um, it was pretty amazing he did like five episodes five years five different iterations um, of the glitter bomb and um, just recently this last year he stopped Um, things i think were getting a little bit too crazy Uh, But package theft is a staple of the e-commerce age and is more common in some states than others. So let's see what these other states are. I wonder if they... Okay. So in Texas, package theft has been a felony since 2019 with a penalty of up to... Of six months to 10 years in prison, um, which can be increased if it involved uh, disabled or elderly people. Wow. That's oddly social. I mean, I mean, the criminal... inclusive. Yeah. uh, Huh. Okay. So Michigan, uh, theft is considered a felony on the second violation. So uh, one shot, you're okay. In Texas, that one shot would have landed you in the morgue. So make Um, it a good theft on that first round. You better. Yeah. And not get caught. So, well, I guess that first one, yeah, you could get in some serious trouble. Um, Oklahoma package theft is charged as a felony if the perpetrator is convicted of three instances within 60 days. So bide your time just go slow slow roll um in arkansas it's been a felony since 2021 punishable by up to six years tennessee package theft has been a felony since 2021 six years georgia 21 and um let's see okay (laughs) so it's a felony if the perpetrator has taken three packages or pieces of mail from one address or 10 or more pieces from three or more addresses this one is very flexible georgia how kind i mean that would be tough to prosecute though because you'd be adding up like oh no there's only seven pieces but they're from five places or whatever why Um, i find it interesting that all the ones with dates are after um, mark rober um, started featuring uh, porch pirates and drawing attention to it interesting wow i guess they heard the call and instead of mark rover being the uh bulwark against uh porch pirates i I guess that would make well if all of these people are porch pirates then he's like a privateer because he's not a member of the state but he's somewhat empowered not necessarily again by the state but he's stopping the pirates um we'll call him a privateer um, 
pretty cool. Pretty cool that he did this. Uh, entirely altruistic. Um, his videos are very popular, so you can go and check him out. He's on YouTube. I'm sure I'm not giving you any news out there. Mark Rober is very well known. Well, anyway, um, Kentucky package theft became a felony uh, punishable by up to five years in prison last year. So again, every single one of these is since 2019. So. And he did his first one in late 2018. Yeah. Neat. So where's package theft most common? says there isn't much of a correlation between states cracking down on package theft and the place where that uh, places that experience it. Only one of the top 10 metro areas experiencing the most package theft is in a state where porch piracy is a felony. San Francisco. Well. That was one of the cities that was featured um, on Mark Barber's videos. Which one was it? Do you recall? Was it Seattle? No, San Francisco. Oh, San that Francisco. was the one where they were boldly taking. Oh, um, right. That of moving vehicles. And... That's right. I remember that now. Yeah, they were breaking windows and checking behind seats and all kinds of stuff. So if you're in San Francisco, um, maybe you can put an air tag in it. Uh, wait on that, though. We'll we'll get there. Hold on one second. So delivery worker dragnet, stealing anything uh, delivered by the U.S. Postal Service is already a felony, but a bill to extend the rule to all delivery companies nationwide uh, was introduced by uh, in the House of Representatives by a Democrat, um, Rep. Dean Phillips of Minnesota. Hmm. I'll leave that alone. Let's move on to the next article. Uh, the next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. A flight was delayed after passengers were sent pictures of plane crashes via Air Apple AirDrop. You'll start hearing a consistent theme here as we approach the end of this episode. The incident occurred on a Pegasus Airlines flight from Tel Aviv. Passengers, quote, were in a panic, end quote, after uh, being sent images of plane crashes per Keshet 12. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, um, please correct me in chat um, or send me a note. Um, Ten people were taken off the Pegasus Airlines flight in Tel Aviv for questioning. I don't know if I want to be questioned in Tel Aviv. Um, passengers on another Pegasus flight in November were sent threatening videos. A flight from Tel Aviv, Israel to Istanbul, Turkey was delayed on Friday after passengers were sent images of plane crashes uh, via Apple airdrop, according to reports in Israel, including a primary suspect. I. So I guess I want to know how the passengers were targeted versus just random citizens. Well, it's proximity. So only a certain amount of people are going to see an airdrop and you have to have an iPhone so Stephanie Stacy uh, over at Business Insider wrote this article and it's kind of, I do remember this, this uh, no, in November, uh, I guess it was another Pegasus flight. So why is it Pegasus? Doesn't that seem very targeted? It does. So, I mean, we don't know the 
perpetrators, but that raises some questions. The picture, one of the pictures was, I wish we all die in Arabic, according to documentation provided by the Israel Airports Authority to Israeli newspaper. I, I, I hope I'm not ruining this uh, Inet or Inet. I'm not sure. Um, so people are in a panic. Of course, that's exactly what happens. But I think what everybody needs to do is just mm, turn off airdrop. <laughs> Because then the person is going to have to like stand up in the middle of the uh, airplane with like those poster boards and like flip the pictures. And then obviously we know who it is. It's not somebody else. There's no real investigation necessary. Yeah, I push it a little bit too far sometimes. Hey, so the next article is in the Mobile Channel and a raft of single-use plastic items to be banned in England, according to the government. Um, and this report, uh, England will ban a wide range of single-use plastic items from October, including uh, plates and cutlery, in order to limit their devastating effect on the environment, the government said Saturday. Um, I don't know why it says from October, but that's what it says. The new legislation will also cover, maybe it's this October is when it'll be activated. But hell, do it now. The new legislation will also cover single-use trays and certain types of polystyrene cups. They really should be getting rid of polystyrene cups now. And food containers, I think they've stopped bags. You don't have plastic bags in, in um, England right now, I think. Um and food containers and the environment ministry announced. Uh, the department said England uses around 2.7 billion items of single use cutlery per year, mostly plastic with one with only one in 10 items recycled. I think that it needs to be more prolific. You have to have a friction, a near friction free recycling system. But right now it's just not like that more stuff needs to be made at least if it's going to be single use it needs to be sturdy enough to withstand the use but immediately recyclable and easy to recycle and probably needs to be um, processed well if there isn't a business that does it then the government has to um, so why not implement a government uh, mandated uh, recycling service and I, I, I don't know, I'll have to think more about this, but it's, it's unsettling the amount of um, recyclable material that filters through into regular trash. And I'm not uh, gonna say, hey, you know, I'm always recycling stuff. I'm not because sometimes um, the friction involved with doing the recycling means that I would have to carry around a bag and throw my detritus in it and then find some recycling place. Um, I've been at one place where I was subsequently told after recycling my materials that the cleaning crew actually just uh, throws the recycling in the same uh, overarching trash can as the regular refuse. Um, and they're not different colored bags or anything like that. The container that you throw it in is different colored, but the bag inside that container is the same color as the trash can next to it. 
Um, so I, I kind of raised a little bit of hell about that, but um, who knows if they're actually still doing it. And I'm, it's just the nature of the beast. So you see, you, you try to be the change you want to see in the world. Um, well, environmental policy is a devolved issue for the governments in Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. The UK government in London sets policy in England. Similar uh, legislation has already been passed in Scotland and in Wales. Um, Scotland and Wales. Uh, repeated breaches of the ban could end up constituting a criminal offense with offenders r running the risk of a fine, said the department. What do you think? Um, so UK um, puts fines on plastic bags and they've the, the fines on those. Um, also, single-use plastic products typically get thrown away, not recycled. Um, so that's part of the issue. Um, but I think if we can move away from that, I guess the question is whether we have adequate alternative materials. Um, because there are certain things that we really need disposable materials for, for example, takeout containers, unless we're going to really make societal uh, changes in how we, um, how we operate. Right. Um, so it says here, quote, uh, we have been at the forefront of eradicating unnecessary plastic. So it is encouraging to see this ban introduced. Uh, and we have already removed plastic cutlery from our food to go offering wooden forks instead says, um, Matt hood, managing director at supermarket chain co-op. Uh, and they welcomed the ban, but I'm sure Greenpeace UK said that the plans did not go far enough. And I, you kind of, once you hear Greenpeace, um, maybe Greenpeace UK in particular, uh, I haven't heard from Greenpeace in quite a while, it seems. Um, but they say it doesn't go far enough. And um, they, the quote here is, whilst it's welcome that the government's finally banned certain items, we're dealing with a plastic flood, and this is like reaching for a mop instead of turning off the tap, said Megan Randles, uh, or Randless. Um, political... So Greenpeace has been in the news recently um, accusing um, VIPs of, um, about their private jet use. Um, oh, gotcha. particular gotcha. Uh, and so I, I, what really needs to take place is we need to find alternatives and that's not going to happen until some greater friction is applied to these single use items in plastic in general. Um, to this day, I am still trying to find a replacement for, um, plastic containers that store food. Um, and you can't necessarily use glass uh, when there are people that cannot, they, they run the chance of dropping glass um, and getting hurt or hurting animals around them, or they themselves can't grip gra glass, grass, can't grip glass. That's hard to say, by the way. Um, so there's all, there's rationale for um, these other purposes for plastic. I really don't like it, particularly because of microplastics. Um, I think that it is an ongoing concern and not to bring, you know, children into this, but children are the future. And if we don't protect the environment for them, then there will be nothing more than a super fun site left. Um, and, uh, like 
my previous generation and their previous generation were supposed to leave it better for the next generation. Um, but we've pretty much kind of crapped all over our campsite and then bailed out. Um, but not necessarily the current generation, but the previous one. Um, won't go into all of the detail there, but um, there's a lot to unpack in that statement. So if you're interested in talking about it more, come on over to hometown here on Twitch and uh, we'll talk some more. Let's go into the next article. And uh, that's in the Hatch Ideas channel. Actually strikes a chord with me because um, I've been talking about this for quite some time. Uh, Bill Gates says being rich can, quote, easily make you out of touch, end quote. But he wouldn't ban others from becoming billionaires. So I think that society doesn't necessarily benefit from a billionaire if the billionaire goes sociopathic. Bill Gates said being rich can easily make you out of touch during a Reddit Ask Me Anything. The philanthropist said he wouldn't ban anyone from becoming a billionaire during his 11th AMA. He's done this several times over on Reddit. Gates also said on Reddit that the super rich should pay more tax and give away their wealth. Indeed, um, they should be paying more of their taxes. But uh, I've been told of things and I've spoken about this in previous uh, streams. There are so many um, fiscal vehicles by way uh, of um, advisors where the super rich can take that wealth, stash it somewhere privately. The advisor makes money, the people making the documents and the, 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 the vehicle by way it's hidden all make money. So there's zero impetus to stop this transaction from taking place, but they exfiltrate this out of um, taxation processes and hide it somewhere. For instance, you, if you are a billionaire, can set up your own insurance policy and fund it with millions of dollars and you will not get taxed on it. Well, that seems like an obvious loophole that needs to be closed. But there's a ton of them. But you're not going to find them all unless you find an interested party who's parsing the tax code, parsing the banking system and verifying how this all takes place so that it, they can water it down to the point where everybody can understand the mechanics of this. I found out about it because I read a bunch of stuff and an advisor said, hey, if you're a millionaire, a multimillionaire, this isn't a, a cheap thing where, you know, Oh, you have $2 million worth of, uh, uh, worth. Hey, let's start up a, a super fund for your insurance and it'll not get taxed. No, that's not how it works. You need at, le at least $10 million in cold, hard cash just to hand over and say, start up this thing. This is just one and you could set it up for multiple people. So is this super fund, uh, site, uh, also toxic? Socially. Yeah. Cause it's, it's basically like who needs billions of dollars. Right. But I will, and I've had this conversation, um, with people in front of me, not just online who say, who the hell are you to say who can or can't be 
a billionaire. And to me, I say to those people, you will never be a billionaire. Why champion that cause? Because the reason why things are expensive is because all of this money is being funneled to the ultra rich. Um, you are getting taxed 25% and you don't have the money or means to try and manipulate the tax code to lower your taxable income because you're making ends meet. Why would you want to champion this cause? And I'm not even talking about being a capitalist because I am a capitalist. I believe in the capitalist enterprise, starting up a business, solving a problem, providing it at a value commensurate with its value to the customers that are purchasing it. But then I have an ethical compass that says, certain things shouldn't be priced out to the point where somebody has to choose between food and death. So, uh, Bill Gates is, uh, has been for quite some time now buying back his soul because he was rather brutal at, in his business enterprise. Um, so good on him and his ex-wife is just as philanthropic. Um, the Melinda well, I don't know what her net last name is anymore, but it was Melinda Gates. She may have kept it. So, uh, Giotta Mann is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. And, um, let's see here. Melinda Reddit, French you, Gates, by the way. Oh, she kept the name? Linda, what, Melinda French Gates? So maybe her last name was French, right? Because that's how it works. Um, Reddit user, I guess it's Ms. Palandis asked the Microsoft co-founder if it's possible to have an ethical billionaire or ethical billionaires and Gates responded with being rich can easily make you out of touch. The incentive to create new companies is still good. I think even if taxes go up, I still wouldn't ban anyone from being worth a billion, but that's just one opinion. I have been very lucky by the way, he doesn't have to start up a business to make billions anymore. His money begets money and he can sit on a beach somewhere. So this is not about somebody busting their hump and forming a business. Now, most of these billionaires were born with a silver spoon in their mouth and never having a want. It has been demonstrated, scientifically researched and proven that people who have to worry about where their next meal come from, or if they come out onto their patio, if they're going to get shot because there is a gang that's rolling through the neighborhood, they do not, they do not learn well. <laughs> they do not have aspirations beyond surviving and maybe getting out of that neighborhood. They're in survival mode. And so they suffer uh, academically and professionally. But when you have so much money that the rest of society is literally unable to touch you, communicate with you in any real way, all you are is a billionaire without any accountability, any accountability. No government can come after you because you can basically buy them off. Uh, if not through direct monetary donations, then through influence of your wealth. It's kind of like the person that jacks up the prices for medication and says, well, it's commensurate with its value. Well, no, there's no bargaining power in the health industry, which is why healthcare shouldn't be so expensive. 
And there's no bargaining with a billionaire because all they have to do is ignore you. And I still stand by the claim that as you become richer and richer, you become more and more sociopathic. And at some point you're so distanced from the rest of society and the world around you that calling you, um, what do you call it? Eclectic. Eccentric. Eccentric. Calling you weird. Calling you, uh, just that way is an understatement as to how disconnected you are from the rest of the world. For instance, the dude that run that ran um, FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, used to walk around barefoot. Regardless, like he he would have an interview with somebody and he'd walk out onto the stage barefoot, but he was like beyond societal's grasp because he had so much wealth. And now he's out. If I were to have committed this fraud, I would be in jail right now, and it wouldn't be a negotiation. Why? Because I don't have that wealth, that influence. So I think Bill, Gra Bill Gates is saying something here, but it's a little bit more than that. I think that it's an understatement to say that as you become a billionaire, you get disconnected. No, I think you become pure. You, be, you go full sociopathic. Um, so the philanthropist last year committed to giving away his fortune uh, to the Gates Foundation, which he's in charge of, um, and he established the Giving Pledge along with Warren Buffett and Melinda Gates in 2010 to encourage billionaires to vow to give away most of their fortunes. Yeah. So only last year, five billionaires pledged to join the list. The disgraced founder of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, also became a pledger in 2022, but he was later removed from the list because, well... He's probably going to run for Senate. Let's move on to the next article. Unless you'd like to say something, AI from on high. Oh, no. I think you've soapboxed enough on that article. And we got three more articles, so stick around. Um, this next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel, a former mail carrier and devout Christian who refused to deliver Amazon packages on why specifically Amazon packages um, on Sundays is taking the U S postal service to the Supreme court for bias. Now so the regular the, USPS doesn't show up on Sundays. That's why it's Amazon. Cause they're probably seven days a week. Well, that's yeah, that's weird, right? Okay. So, um, Bethany Dawson over at businessinsider.com wrote this article and it says here that the Supreme Court is accepted to hear an appeal by a former mail carrier who is accusing the USPS of religious bias. Gerald Groff, an evangelical Christian who said he uh, was reprimanded for refusing to deliver parcels on Sundays, um, left the UPS, USPS, sorry, left the USPS in 2019 after he stopped showing up for work on Sundays. Well, yeah. Okay. So how does this work? Religion is a protected class, right? You can't treat somebody disparately because of their religion. That's right. So, 
Um, it says rural carrier associate Gerald Groff, an evangelical Christian from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, has said that he was reprimanded for refusing to deliver Amazon parcels on Sunday. So this becomes an HR issue, both in terms of refusing to deliver Amazon packages as assigned, if assigned, and it's part of their duties, and because the reprimand goes into HR, and if there is some grievance, i.e. an accommodation because of the religion, it, this should have been a done deal. Right? It, I, I, well, but the employer doesn't necessarily think this is a reasonable accommodation because they need services seven days a week. So as per Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, employers have to accommodate a worker's religion unless it causes the business undue hardship, which is what you are saying and which is, I am saying shouldn't have even persisted, right? Like if the moment the person says, well, I don't work on Sunday because it's antithesis to my religion and I, because I'm evangelical, we don't work on Sundays. Um, so is this undue hardship for the organization? It's the USPS. Are you telling me that there wasn't anybody else that could do this gig? Basically a failure to work is not going to be a reasonable accommodation. And so that's, that's really the problem. But I think if the organization wanted to avoid this issue, it could have easily shifted schedules around and, and just taken care of it. Sure. Make, uh, not make him, but have him work some other day than Sunday. Right. But then they might face a religious discrimination from somebody else, else. or somebody who's not practicing any religion. It could have actually created bigger issues by doing that. Right. It becomes a spiral. Everybody getting treated. If you are an able-bodied person and the accommodation allows a person to do the work, then you do the work. But the accommodation was basically a forced day off and everybody else has to foot that bill. So lower courts dismissed Groff's claim that USPS violated the laws by refusing to give him each Sunday off, saying that doing so would cause undue hardship on the business religious rights organization First Liberty reports. So their legal team appealed the ruling and it's now succeeded in having it heard uh, at the Supreme Court, which I think is kind of fascinating. Um, so it says here, no American should be forced to choose between their religion and their job. True. I have to agree with that. Right. But it's also up to the employee as to where they work. Touche. And that right there is there. There's a, a power uh, differential here. There's no bargaining power with this person and there's no bargaining power with the employer. It's the uh, unstoppable force meets the immovable object, right? So I refuse to work on Sunday. I'm assigning you work on Sunday. You can work somewhere else, but I can't fire you because of your religion. I can terminate because you aren't doing the tasks assigned. And that's the reason not that, well, you aren't and not because of your religion, but it's because you're not doing the tasks as assigned. Okay. So we'll schedule around you, but 
disclosing that to everybody else so that there is a rationale for why do I always have to work Sundays and Joe doesn't becomes an HR issue. Again, this becomes um, just a series of disparate treatment again and again and again. I think the USPS took a smart position here because unless they're forced into it with a court decision, um, they've kept things more straightforward for managing their workforce. Everybody is treated the same way. Now, if we find out that that organizational unit has been giving people time off because of their religion, then it's going to become a nightmare for the USPS. And the, the deep pocket here is so, so, so deep. Um, and, and frankly, if you got this gig and you were told your employment contract says that you work as assigned. I think that's part of the problem here is that the person started working before they did operate on Sundays. So then it was a change, but there was probably lots of notice about it um, before that was implemented. Right. And so uh, through this discussion, we've walked through the, the, the issues of this and it even says in the article, when Groff joined the Postal Service in 2012, he did so with the understanding that it did not operate on Sundays, which this alone should have warranted him not working on Sundays if he disclosed prior. And then again, maybe you don't have to. I'm not sure with that particular context. Um, do I have to disclose that I don't work on Sundays? No, I don't think so, because you didn't work on Sundays before you're changing the terms of the employment on the fly. It's kind of like moving the goalposts. So I would suspect that they, uh, this uh, Groff, um, Groff will probably uh, come out on the winning side of this Supreme Court. I'm hearing simply because when he initially got hired, the terms of his employment were that they would not be working Sundays. Now, it really depends on if um, he disclosed when he was hired, hey, I don't work on Sundays and that's why I took the gig. But is it required? I don't know. And I think the agency uh, will prevail because unless he had a reasonable accommodation in place already um, and assuming they gave notice of the change because they can set anything they need to for their agency, but they have to disclose it and talk about those changes, et cetera. Um, so I think the USPS will actually prevail on this. Well, I guess the AI has analyzed the data. Let's find out when this actually takes place. Um, this will be um, going to the Supreme Court, apparently, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. I'm sure that this will pop up again in Ometown um, since all roads lead to Ometown. Let's move on to the next article. Um, this next article is a state GOP lawmaker. Uh, decided that they have ideas on women's productive issues because... They know cows and you know, y'all are cows, right? I mean, so Idaho state rep, Jack Nelson, a dairy farmer, you know, 
there are people that are subject matter experts and when you're a subject matter expert you tend to be seen as a hammer and everything within your purview of that subject matter expertise suddenly becomes nails so for instance if you go and you see a nutritionist because of your diet suddenly everything is nutritional based and uh, let's say you sprain your ankle and you go see a surgeon for a consult suddenly they want to cut you open and uh, I have a headache, so I see a doctor or a neurologist, and they say, well, we're going to have to give you a frontal lobotomy, and I would probably say thank you. Um, that would alleviate. I'm, are we surprised at either the location or the um, career? <laughs> <laughs> so Idaho State Rep um, Jack Nelson, a dairy farmer, later apologized for his inappropriate, quote unquote, inappropriate uh, comment on livestock and, quote, the women's health thing. So eloquent. So well said, uh, women and you your a spokesperson, women and your women things. Um, yeah. So next he's going to sit there and say, well, they must be upset because it's that time of month. I mean, come on, dude, you, you don't, <laughs> you don't get to say these things. So it doesn't even matter what it is. Uh, when somebody reports it like this, you don't even need to see the full content. Mary Poppenfuss, uh, which is an awesome name. I think that you should probably descend from a rooftop with an umbrella and uh, change children's lives. I think that's a beautiful name. I, it really is. I'm not even kidding. I, I think it's, I love people's names. Um, and sometimes they kind of hit it out of the park. And I think this is just, it's an awesome name. So not even joking. I'm kidding. I'm not even kidding. You know? So, um, a Republican state lawmaker in Idaho is in a world of trouble since he claimed to be some kind of expert on women's reproductive issues because he has worked with cows. Quote, ah, <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to say it. Quote, I've milked a few cows, spent most of my time walking behind lines of cows. So if you want some ideas on repro and the women's health thing, I have some definite opinions. And there's a link. There's a link. Oh, risky click. I'm not going to do it. Freshman. Sure you should click it during the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to it. Um, I'm sure that this will not. Well, it might dissipate. So. The responding fury was so searing that Nelson later apologized for his comments, which were admitted, which he admitted were inappropriate. No, inappropriate is not the word. Ignorant. The women in my life have taught me strength, resilience, integrity, hard work, joy, and love. I absolutely respect women and the right to choose their own health care, Nelson said in a statement Thursday. He said his comments, quote, completely missed the mark, adding, quote, I'm embarrassed. I am deeply sorry. Well, uh, you should be. Uh, so not only were his comments offensive and embarrassing, they were odd given uh, that he simply introducing himself to the House Agriculture Committee, stated the editorial. This was I mean, how he chose. Maybe he was um, like speaking about his skills for agriculture based on that context. <laughs> this is how he chose to introduce himself by comparing women's health care with milking a cow. 
<laughs> Everybody has a fetish. Don't kink shame. So, quote, it's scary to think that someone like Nelson, who fancies himself an expert on, quote, the women's health thing. This will this needs to be a T-shirt, you know, the women's health thing, as said by Nelson. Right. And just have like a cow. And I don't know, we could probably work something out. We'll have to we'll have to look into that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, let's see. It would be nice if men like Nelson would demonstrate a bit of, uh, humility and decency and not paint themselves as experts in women's health care, which they certainly are not. Uh, it would also be nice if they kept their mouths shut a little more, didn't insult women and saved Idaho from national embarrassment. Um, uh, Nelson's apology included a I'm really sorry that I said something about women and their reproductive systems being, um, he didn't really say this. So I, my quote is turning into a long form joke. Um, but, um, he ended with, uh, saying moo. Let's move on to the next article. The last article for today is in the Smack Talk channel. Passengers AirTag tracks 8,000 kilometer detour of Air Canada luggage. That's right, folks. Your AirTags are getting more uh, frequent flyer miles than you are. An Air Canada passenger discovered their luggage missing, uh, and it was on a different continent after the flight, with an AirTag showing it was 5,000 miles and an ocean away. Let's go over to the article itself. Malcolm Owen over at Apple Insider wrote this article and um, yeah, so uh, this, this air tag thing, um, let's just say that air tags are amazing technologies. There are actually other uh, air tag like trackers that you can get that are a whole lot cheaper. Um, you can not a whole lot, but they're cheaper and um, more capable with GPS, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but these are, you know, one and done, pretty simple for the everyday person to just grab them, connect them to their iPhone and off you go. What they are showing is kind of a lack of respect for other people's property. Paul Clifford flew with his wife from Mexico City to Victoria on a return leg of a journey in November, but like many passengers, their luggage wasn't at the terminal when they arrived. However, following a growing trend to include an air tag in their luggage, I'm going to swallow mine when I take a trip so that I know exactly where I am at all times. The bag was found to have failed to make it onto the plane. An inquiry to Air Canada to claim the lost luggage was... Uh, that it was still stuck at Mexico City International Airport and had the representative assuring that it would be sent to Clifford's home in due course. However, after three days of checking, there was no progress. They went back out to Victoria and they said, again reiterated, that there was, no, there was nothing, I guess that's a typo, they could do except, pardon me, pardon me, um, that there was nothing they could do except send a note to Mexico City. Well, two weeks later, still nothing. Further attempts to get assistance from Air Canada were apparently futile. When asked by the 
when asked by the report about the luggage, Air Canada regretted the delay and said that they had told the customer they were moving to compensate them. Um, I guess this is their particular style of speech. Uh, on being provided a screenshot of the AirTag's Madrid location and pressed on why they had given up on finding the bag, Air Canada declined to respond. So how did it go to a different continent? It was a flight from Mexico to Canada, and it ended up in Spain. Uh, uh, speaking on behalf of Air Canada right now, Sorry, that dead air was actually them responding. Another passenger discovered his bag went missing in Melbourne Airport in June and in relocating his luggage, discovered a lost bag graveyard in a baggage handling firm's offices. The affair was then posted to YouTube. It just happens again and again. Um, I think that AirTags do a really great um, job at finding out when people are being for lack of a better term, a dipshit. All of this should be tracked, kind of like um, confidential documents from the government, um, in a way commensurate with their level of importance. Maybe an air tag should be on every single um, confidential, top secret, etc. document. Um, all said and done, we have 11 articles uh, for today, and uh, I still have to post yesterday's uh, stream. There was a technical problem with the AI's uh, voice synthesis system. I hope that we have remedied it. It seems to have worked uh, during our test, um, but uh, I put nothing past uh, some of the processes here in Ometown. Mayor Watt is kind of, he's getting old. What can I say? You want to say bye? Have a good evening, hometown citizens, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye.